it's for everybody yeah like for sure. you should want your taxpayer like you are a taxpayer you pay for the police and they're able to murder you speaking out as a black individual that has dealt with racism and understands it because i walk in those shoes it showed me that the work that i've been doing as stevie dub the rapper is working welcome back to the stevie dub show we're gonna get serious the hard conversations that need to be had will be held and i'm happy to be the one to do it Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of the Stevie Dub podcast. I am joined today by a very, very close good friend of mine. His name is Marcus Davis. Uh, we are going to get into a lot of topics today. Uh, BLM, we're going to talk about uh, police brutality. We're going to talk about voting and so much more. Um, so, you know, without further ado, Marcus, how you doing, man? It's good to see uh, you, bro. It's good to see you too, man. And uh, I'm doing good. You know, uh, I'm like, I'm able to keep busy. I have two kids, you know, so I'm doing the dad thing a lot. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on that uh, that really can take you out of that pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, you're talking about a lot of stuff going on. When we say stuff, we obviously mean um, malicious, crazy murders that are happening every single day um, on, at the hands of police toward black individuals. Both of us are obviously black individuals. You guys can all tell that by watching um, this podcast. Um, so basically, one of the reasons why I feel like I wanted you specifically to come on here is because out of all of my friends, I feel like I've learned the most from you about black history, black culture, uh, just everything in general. And I feel like you've been active out in the streets protesting, doing as much as you can to share stuff on online and just being an activist overall. I feel like we've all been activated to become activists this year um you've you've you know done a, an extensive amount of 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 stuff and you've given me a lot of knowledge over the years um so basically what i what i want to do is you know you you touch base kind of on like your 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 health and and you know you said that you're doing good you're, you're a dad um but how are you really doing like with everything that's going on like how are you how are you how are you really you know really doing and handling this situation these situations at hand and and how did everything how did everything like change for you um i mean for me personally it was like around the the time that george floyd was murdered i know that me and you have had conversations prior to that from the brianna taylor situation and and you know more that have happened earlier in the year but um just kind of run me through like your emotional state and and where you feel like you're at and why you're there and you know just how you're dealing with that in general um i'd say it's probably like the same as a lot of black people where it's like you're just kind of tired of it like the fact that you know i always go back to um what was it 1992 that was when rodney king got like beat down bro. yeah like like batons everything you know ruthless beat down it's like lucky he's lucky that he, he didn't he didn't die uh and i feel like that was kind of america's first view in 1992 right was the first crazy. was the first view of they're like oh shit like they are fucking them up yeah they are fucking them up right yeah. um so that was almost 30 years ago yeah right and we're still seeing like the same stuff right we're still seeing like the same videos the same, and I'm not, I'm not even like going on like a tangent of saying that all cops are bad. Yeah. Clearly, clearly there are a lot of good police officers. Absolutely. But if even 5% is bad, right? 
and they're not calling out the other 5% or police unions aren't allowing, you know, the 95 to call out the five, it makes the entire institution bad. Yeah. Um, so I guess how I feel is, uh, you know, it's something you try not to actively think about because it's everywhere, right? You can see it. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's more than, it, 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 it's also a little bit more than just black people, right? Because yeah. police don't necessarily do their job correctly a lot of the time and it leads to a lot of deaths of all races, right? right. So end of the day, like, Black Lives Matter is yes, we're we're out here rooting for black people, but yeah. like it's for everybody. Yeah, like, for sure. You should want your taxpayer, like you are a taxpayer, you pay for the police and they're able to murder you? Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense. It it just yeah. doesn't, you know what I mean? No, I totally agree. It's it's sad and frustrating that my I think my grandma is ninety one now, right? Like she has firsthand seen horrible things done not only by police but like by the by by like the uh the reign of white supremacy in yeah. general right where it doesn't always have to be police there's lots of ways that white supremacy can seep it you know seep into everyday life right right it, it's crazy that my 90 91 year old grandma has seen this shit right we had the civil rights movements in the 1960s and now right 60 years later still dealing with the same shit yeah it's, still dealing with the same shit. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's wild to think that um, you're you. You said your grandma or grandpa. My grandma. Your grandma's ninety one. My grandfather's peaking eighty, and we have these same exact conversations where my grandpa's like, you know, um, I would be right out there protesting and doing those things with you, but you know, he's an older black man, yeah. and, and my you know my grandpa has done a lot um, in terms of like being an activist in his younger years and whatnot. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's our generation's turn. And it's crazy because in my 29 years of life, I've never ever in my life dealt with as much racism as I've dealt with now. But you spoke about a couple things and I kind of want to segue it a little bit. Um, I know that, you know, you're talking about policing and this and that. One of my, one of my ways to kind of not, I wouldn't say deal, but a release for me was, was when the protest started. I'd never gone to a protest before in my life. Um, I don't want to say I didn't have reason to, yeah. but you know, there was an uprising after George Floyd was fucking murdered in front of everybody. And uh, on a side note, it's crazy that people still are out there trying to justify that. Um, uh, but what was it that, what was it that like activated you to like want to go out in the streets? I know that you went to um, a protest in Redlands. I know that you, I, I'm pretty sure that you went to a couple other ones. I could be I, wrong, maybe. I, I started my own in Highlands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Give, give us, before you even before you even keep going, um, let us know about that. Let, I want to, because I know the backstory. I know that there was, uh, there, was, there was something that you guys put up or somebody put something yeah. up and you took it down or they took it down or just can you run us through your, your protesting experience and, and, and how all that like went down and, and just what came, what came from it? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I was planning on, you know, being in a protest anyway, but I kind of, like, had the uh, expedited route because in my hometown of Highland, uh, there were a couple black kids that had put up a Black Lives Matter sign on a wall, and uh, three grown men came, and these are kids, right? Three grown men came with dogs to take the sign down. Before you go, that video was on Twitter, and yeah. it was on the internet. I remember seeing that video. 
And I remember you contacting me and saying like, hey, bro, like we should go do this. This is when I was super active in the, pro like it was like a weekend of protesting and I had gone to like five different protests in a week. But now keep touching base on that. I just want to let people know that that particular video, that situation it was that on, happened. It was on the internet. Yeah, it was on the internet and it went viral and a lot of people were talking about that shit and, and, and it, was, it was wild. And we can also talk about the one in Norco that happened that's not too far from here. But I just want to paint a picture for you guys. Um, there's certain areas... A lot of people think, you know, uh, California is a democratic state. Um, it is very diverse, but there are a lot of areas out here that are not very diverse, that are one track minded. And one of the areas that you're speaking about is Highland. We have Yucaipa and Norco. Calamesa. Calamesa. Beaumont. Beaumont. Actually, Beaumont might be like half and half. I don't know. And, and, and this isn't us just saying like, oh, everybody from there is like that. So as you're watching this, don't jump down our throats about that. <laughs> I'm from Yucaipa and I'm not like that. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, and, and, and thank you to all the people that are out there that are helping with the movement, that are, that are supporting the causes and whatnot, that are from those areas, that are starting the protests in that area. Sorry, once again, for cutting you off. Keep diving into that story about how that happened and then talk about the other protests that you've went to because, you know, eventually I want to talk about the uh, the big conversation that you had. We'll, we'll dabble into that afterwards. Okay, but. cool. Well, um, long story short, um, I basically staged a, a, like a, a re-protest in that same area, put another sign up, the exact same sign up in the same area. Um, when I showed up, there's already some dude there like, hey, uh, you know, yeah, you can't have this here. You can hold it all you want, but you can't put it up. And I was like, all right, bro, look, you can call the cops if you want, but I'm going to put this sign up, you know, like, so what, you, what are you going to do? Yeah. Are, are you going to call the cops? Are you going to make this that kind of deal? Yeah. Or are you going to let me put this piece of paper up? Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, we had it up for like five, six hours. Um, it was cool, man. Uh, people from the community, like that were in the community behind us, saw it and came out, like brought us food. Like it was very... Um, cool to see that there are people that support it yeah um of course though you know and it was like it was like a very select crowd like you can almost like see them before they saw you right but you know just people yelling all lives matter at us right. and it's like yeah bro like if they did we wouldn't have to be out here right now right, right but right. um you know so that was the first protest um and then there was a protest in redlands basically it was over um a couple rpd officers had pulled someone out of their car by their hair and he had dreads, right? Um, I ended up finding out later that the stop was more so legal than, mm. than we were, you know, told to believe at the time. But that didn't, you know, that didn't, dis that didn't change the fact that we were still there for social justice, right? right? And uh, while we were there, I mean, I saw, I saw like a very uh, different side of Redlands and it wasn't a good side. It was um, a, lot of, a lot of older people, you know, <laughs> throwing slurs around you yeah. know trying to trying to start fights um and it's like for what yeah i mean it's it's crazy so uh i guess i want to talk about that as well too just real quick a, a real quick segue um i've gone to a lot of protests uh no matter what you see on online on the internet there are a lot more there's a lot more positivity that's happening in the world at the protest than there is negativity there's a study that says 93 percent of the protests were peaceful and out of that seven percent uh it was also including confederate statues being taken down so mm -hmm. i guess if you consider a confederate statue being taken down that would you know lower lower the uh statistic a little bit but still that's an a bro yeah that's a lot that's a lot no I, I totally agree with you and that's the misconception that i see a lot the crazy part for me, though, is that I haven't really touched base on this, but I want to say it really quick. 
my social media platforms are, they are compiled of a lot of different characters, human beings from different areas. My Facebook is predominantly Wisconsin folks. My Instagram is predominantly like people from California. My Twitter is all over the place and I don't, I'm not really active on the other ones. But those three are like the main pillars. I get a lot of All Lives Matter Trump stuff on Facebook because, I mean, and, it's, and just, it, it's just like from those areas. And then over here, it's not necessarily like that. It also should be noted that Facebook is like the main proprietor of uh, dis and misinformation. No, absolutely. And there was a, a statistic. I watched The Social Dilemma, which I think that all of us should watch. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think that... Hold on one second. I'm going to get this exactly up because Ross and I were just texting about this the other day. Um, and there's a statistic about it that I have to read off. It's straight. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's mind boggling almost. And it says that, uh, one sec, one sec. Fake news is shared six times more than the truth on social media. And a lot of that shit happens on Facebook. A lot of it. Trust me. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm sitting here acting like there's fake news that I haven't bought into. There's definitely been fake news that I bought into. There's definitely fake news that you bought into as well. Um, I know that for a fact because a lot of you fuckers on there share it. Um, <laughs> uh, excuse my language. But I want to go back to the protest, protesting part. You started a protest. Um, we don't need to spend too much time on this, but just for the, you know, for, the, for, the, for the listener, the viewer that's watching, give some advice on if you're going to start a protest, how to do it, what to expect from it. And just overall, um, you know, the, the, the good that can come from doing that. So um, if you're going to start a protest, um, I would say, especially if you're in like a town where uh, it's not going to be so welcome, definitely make sure you have other people with you, right? You know, you have power in numbers. Um, the, the cool thing about racists and bigots is they're also usually, they're usually um, very fearful, scared people. So they're not going to go out of their way when they don't think they have a chance, right? Yeah. Um, second, you know, just you're, you're, you're gonna have a lot of good as well because I'd say overall, I'd say it's like probably like 60, 70% of people support this, right? Yeah. And of course, the people that don't are gonna be super loud. Yeah. But ignore them because they're bitter, you know, they're probably ugly too. God doesn't like it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when you're ugly inside, it starts permeating outwards as well. Absolutely. So let them be ugly. You yeah. know what I mean? No, I totally agree with that. Thank you for sharing that. But this is what I want to share. I went to protests in LA. I went to protests in Huntington Beach, Newport Beach. Um, I went to protests in Riverside. I know I'm missing some. I went to a bunch in LA, all over the LA area, Hollywood, um, downtown LA, uh, Inglewood, all over the place. Um, and once again, going back to the statistics of, of 93%, I want people to directly see and hear, my, hear me when I say this to you. For all the people that are watching what's happening in Portland, stuff that's happened where in Kenosha even, that you know, for my Wisconsin viewers, I myself, Stevie Dub, have personally been to 10 plus protests, all of which were peaceful. The only one that wasn't was the Newport one. And I didn't even realize what had happened. I saw, so basically a car tried to run through the crowd of people. The crowd of people was not, you know, like trying to stop people from driving on the road or whatever. For the most part, everybody was honking. People were bringing waters. Like you said, there's so much more support out there than people give it credit for. But that one situation, we were ahead of the crowd. So all of a sudden we see this mass, massive wave of people just, and we're like, what the hell? And then we just see this car, whoop, like zooming by. And I, had, I didn't know exactly what had happened until I saw the news afterwards. But 
Um, you know, and then I, and then after the George Floyd incident, uh, like, you know, and I told you about this and everybody, the viewers that were attending and that may be catching, you know, keeping up with this, I went home and I hosted an event at my hometown, which, which was more like a conversation about racism and police brutality. It was great. We had a great turnout. Um, there, you know, there were, uh, the, the morning of, it was pretty wild because I went into a gas station, me, my sister, and my niece, my niece had to use a restroom. We went to a gas station. There's like a bunch of dudes in there with MAGA hats on and they were just looking at us. They didn't say anything, but they were just looking yeah. at us. So that was like a weird start to the day, but overall it was good. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to, just to cut the bullshit out straightforward there's more positivity happening at the protests way more than what the media is telling you than than what you people are feeding into and i just want to make that clear i'm sure that we will still there's going to be more protests that yeah. we will actively and also, be going to it should just be noted media does want to keep you scared Absolutely. there is a great amount of money to be made in fear-mongering yeah right so if if all these people think that all these protests are are dangerous and they're coming for you in your home right you're going to keep watching yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, if, and, and, and sorry, sorry. No, to you're good, you you're out, good. But also, it has to also be noted, right? After that main one in Minneapolis, right? Yeah. The news stopped covering it. Right. Why? Because they're all peaceful. And they're yeah. like, bro, like, we don't have a story here. Yeah. We don't care about this. Of course. We don't care about people, like, peacefully asking for change. Right. Right? So, you know. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying about the story. The, the, all, the, all the protests, all of them that I went to, there was news outlets at. I got the luxury of being able to speak at the very same. first one that I went to, which was great. You were on the news. I was on the news. Not at separate protests, yeah. not the same one. I was there with my buddy, Neil. Shout out to Neil. He's an activist as well, too. He's from Orange County area. Um, but um, uh, what I, so let's, let's kind of segue into like m the takeaways from like the protests. For me personally, like I said before, I met a lot of great people. I learned a lot about our culture. I learned a lot about action steps that need to be had. And I learned a lot about why we're having these protests. Um, but you specifically, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you come on here and talk to you was that you had a, a, a really good situation that happened. At least I look at it as good. Um, and, and, and now we're, we're helping shape a narrative here. We're both two black individuals. A lot of people think that people that are for BLM or that are black or that are activists want to they abolish the tear, police. They, they think we want to tear society down. Yeah, we want, to, we want to kill all cops. We hate them all. We don't. We don't. Like, that's not, that's not the facts. So I want you to speak about your, uh, your experience being at a protest and your engagement with a police officer there and then what it led to. Long story short, uh, when I was at the Redlands protest, I uh, ended up, you know, at one point later on in the protest, I was pretty close to uh, some of the cops. And uh, I asked one of them, you know, like who he is when he takes that uniform off. Because mm -hmm. end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a job. It's a career, right? And there shouldn't be so much identity put behind your, your job because that's not who you are, right? Yeah. So um, because I asked him that, he actually was like, hey, look me up. I'm the president of Redlands PD. Um, let's get together. Let's, uh, let's talk. Like, let's... Let's see. Let's see if we have any similarities. If we if we can actually have a conversation, right? Yeah. A civil a civil discourse, and uh, we ended up meeting up. And uh, the crazy thing, the crazy thing is, in the uh, two times that we've met up so far, and we probably have had like a two hour two hour conversation each time. Um, we have a lot more in common than than we don't. You know what I mean? But the craziest thing, the craziest thing is, it spoke to me a lot about 
how America has a a history yeah. of using revisionist history. Okay. And when I say that, I mean like America shapes the narrative of of how they dealt with other people in America as good yeah. all the time because it doesn't. I suppose they don't want people to necessarily feel bad about how this nation came to be, right? So uh, there's one point where we were talking about the war on drugs. Yeah. And I was telling him how, you know, on paper, this is what it was, but really it was a war on poor people, right? right? And even though classism usually can come before racism, right? They knew that if we introduce this to this community, we can keep them down, we can keep them in jail, and the whole, you know, the whole stereotype of, oh, they don't have a dad, right? <laughs> Part of that is because of what happened in the 80s right. underneath Nixon, underneath Reagan, yep. right? Um, and those are things that need to be talked about Absolutely. because, you know, people love to, you know, make these, like, crash generalizations, but if you don't know the history behind it, you can't, you can't truth, you can't, you can't argue in good faith, Yeah. right? Um, so, you know, me and him, we've had multiple conversations. I actually got a police officer to watch the 13th okay. as, as, you know, and, uh, the for, second for, for anybody, sorry, not to cut you off for anybody who doesn't know what the 13th is go on Netflix or YouTube. Um, it is a documentary about the 13th amendment and how that continued to incarcerate. And it was just another, it's just another loophole into slavery. Basically. It, it was basically it, the story of how slavery was able to evolve. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah, from freeing the slaves to then them not being uh, not being freed anymore because they're then being you know imposed as prisoners. I had something in my last podcast that literally talks about the Third Amendment and how it even says in there something along the lines of like you're free except if you are a prisoner. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, you look at our prison systems it's and like, and it's who like fifty percent right or sixty percent African American. I don't even. I, I know I have the statistics here somewhere, but sorry, I just I just wanted to to let the viewers know that um, you're you're bringing up a lot of great points. So keep on segueing into everything that you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, you know we talked about a lot of a lot of things that he had never heard. He he has never heard of. Yeah. And um, like I was saying, you know that really speaks to the fact that we have uh, revisionist history taught as regular history in America. I mean, like, why should I, right, a, a young black kid, right, in third grade, why was I learning about Eli Whitney, right? Why do I still remember at 28 years old who made the cotton gin? Right. That, like, <laughs> that shouldn't be something that's embedded in my mind, right? There's, there's so many other things that have gone on in this country yeah. that are that have, that have been bad for minorities, right? But there are also a lot of really great things that minorities have done and achieved that aren't necessarily taught in school either. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be meeting with this, with this officer again, you know, in the near future. Um, it's just kind of interesting to see that even though we're able to see a lot of these officers doing heinous things, right? Um, there obviously are good people out there that do want to see change. And one thing that I can say that he even agreed with is, um, you know, police need more training. Yeah. Straight up. Like, you know, he said something that made, that he believes made him a good cop is the fact that he became a police officer at the age of 30 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he had lots of other jobs before that point where he had to interact with people. And I'm sure not all those interactions are great, right? Yeah. But course. the difference is, is he didn't have the power to be like, freeze. Yeah. Right. You had to use your words. You had to de-escalate 
the right way. Right. And a lot of these kids are 18 years old, straight out of high school, get six months of training, right? And science shows that your brain's not even fully developed until you're like 21, 22. Yeah. So we have people that aren't even mentally fully developed dictating who gets to live or die. Right. Even though that's not their job, right? End of the day, police officer's job is to not dispense justice, but to get the perpetrator to the place where justice can be dispensed. Right. Right. And extrajudicial, extrajudicial murders are happening not only to black people, but to everyone in America. Right. And we should all be not happy about that. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. And thank you for sharing all that. I think I read a statistic once. You could correct me if I'm wrong or if you could chime in on this. I read that people who go to school to, to become a barber or a cosmetology. Go have a lot more training. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's hours. true. It's true. A lot more hours. It's true. Re let's, <laughs> let, let, let me reiterate that again, right? This is no knock on anybody who's a barber, who's a cosmetologist. It should be, if anything, it should be like, you guys do a lot, you know what I mean? Literally think about that, though. Think, think about that. Like, literally think about that. Somebody who's going to school to become a barber has, to, has more training than a cop goes through who is supposed to be the person who's protecting us, who's, you know, serving our community and this and that. And I'm sure... I'm not saying this to like bash them. I know for a fact that there are cops out there that would 100% agree with the fact, hey, we probably need more training. And cops are just overworked in general in terms of like, they should just be put into a box saying like, this is your job, just do that. Not, you know, like, I think there was a situation with the Walmart, the, the, there, was a, there was a dude, I don't know exactly what it was, in, um, in Walmart that was having a mental health issue. Yeah. And a cop came there and ended up shooting him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is this is this is about this, but it's unrelated. I was just gonna say we have a personal we we know a personal friend, right? Where cops having too many hats, right? Having too many job assignments caused caused a situation that didn't need to happen. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So basically, not putting out names or anything, but one of our friends, uh, he had another friend staying at his house with his kids. Yeah, and. Uh, the mother of that friend called the police like, hey, I want you to do a wellness check on my children. Yeah. Right? And interestingly enough, the last time I talked to my, my, my uh, cop friend, right? Yeah. He straight up told me, we should not be doing CPS calls. Yeah. Right? Because the, the way it works is we go first, right, to check it out, and then CPS comes. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> should you do that again or not? Okay. And because of that, right, more issues are bound to happen. So long story short, one of our friends had the police called on him for a wellness check for the children. You know, the children are fine. Yeah. But, you know, you have the police showing up your door trying to come in and you don't know why. Yeah. It led to, uh, and, you know, given, given uh, this, this guy, uh, you know, didn't necessarily... Uh, go about it in a way that was going to make sure that nothing bad happened to yeah, him. Yeah. But long story short, if CPS was making that call and not the police, I do not think that that would have happened to yeah, him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that, um, just to touch base on that, uh, there's obviously there's a lot of people that I've seen post and say like, oh, well, if he didn't resist or, oh, if he didn't do this, then he wouldn't have got shot or, oh, if he didn't do this, then that wouldn't have happened. We get that. We understand. That's exactly the reason why Marcus is saying what he's saying in terms of 
if if there was somebody who was going there for mental health purposes because somebody's having a mental health crisis first prior to the cops showing up there'd be less casualties that are happening yeah and, and the fact that a psychologist has to go to school for four years right? four years and then they have to usually do like a residency right so that's like five to six that's six years of training or <laughs> that's six years of training in that situation that a cop has zero training i don't know how much they have with mental health but to compare it to someone that went to school you know and got their degree for it it's not the same and uh you know this is also something that me and him agreed on and you know it was kind of like the question came up of like how do we pay for it yeah is there should be a new assignment in you know in law enforcement where it's almost like like a law enforcement psychologist. There'd be multiple at every single police uh, police district and their job is to handle the mental health. And it's not a job for everyone because they would have to be ready to de-escalate. Yeah. They might have a taser or something, but they gotta be able to not only, you know, use their words to de-escalate, but they gotta be ready for if, you know, a mental health patient does cross that line. Yeah. And, you know, at a certain point, we have to understand that, you know, I guess there can be a line that's crossed where it's like, you know, all these guys always come back to, I wanted to make sure I got home to my family. And being a father, like, I can understand that. Totally. You know what I mean? So um, there obviously has to be a lot of things that change in how policing is done, right? And police having too many, too many hats, right? Too many job assignments is one, mm -hmm. you know? Um, firemen, you know, they, they, they're paramedics. They take care of fires. Uh, they're called in emergencies, right? Um, I don't know if they have more or less hats, but you know, you don't, we don't have this problem with firemen. Yeah. And I assume it's because they don't have the ability to dispense justice. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Um, you spoke to me about you. you so you're saying uh, overall, the conversation that you had with this, with this guy, with this cop, uh, it was good. You guys agreed on a lot of views, which is great, especially for the viewers to hear that. Um, and I'm super proud of you for going out of your way to do that because for me personally, I think that these conversations have to be held. Was there anything that you guys had different views about that you want to share with the viewers? Yeah, so, you know, uh, the first thing is, you know, especially after you watched the 13th, he, uh, he was like, dude, I agree with like all of this except for the end about, you know, how the prison system is. And his quarrel with it was more so, you know, there's too many violent offenders getting out of prison. And I was like, I agree with you. But what I think, right, is the fact that there are all these people that have been in jail for, you know, having like, and th this much weed on them, right? Yeah. Where they go to jail for like 10 years, like that's egregious right. and, and that shouldn't happen. Um, side note, Biden, Harris, they are going to be releasing people from jail that have drug charges right because end of the day end of the day drug addiction is addiction yeah. and it's not a crime right right it should be treated as addiction right and not a crime totally just agree. like every other world power treats it except for like you know like russia and china i don't know what they got going on over there yeah. but i know like european nations right they treat drug addiction as a mental health issue yeah like you have a dependency on this chemical that you need help getting off of. See, back when the back when the war on drugs happened, um, they 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 should have looked at it as a mental health crisis and not a drug problem. You know, that's just my personal opinion on it. I think I might have touched base on that in episode one in the pod on the podcast, but I totally agree with you on that. 
Um, but yeah, continue to talk about like the differences that you guys had. Okay. Yeah, so you know, it was funny because I think he thought that was gonna be a difference, but it ended up being like, hey, I agree with you. Like people that do violent crimes should be in jail a lot longer, right? But the people that are in there for drug offenses, right? They, we should let them out. Their, their time should be much shorter, right? And end of the day, the fact that you keep, you know, the system keeps going after these small time dealers and they're not going after the people that are bringing in all of the all of the drugs right and making all the money says a lot about the system yeah right because wasn't it uh jp morgan had like a a, a freight a freight liner come in with like 50 tons of cocaine or something crazy like that and it just it know. just disappeared it was just like gone so obviously that's like a whole nother story right right but that is something that you know he i, I think he thought we were gonna not have the same point of view on but we did um where we did differ, you know, we did have a differing view was on the Breonna Taylor case. Um, you know, he kind of was like more so coming out as like, this is, it was legal, right? And I think what we're finding out more and more over the past, over these past couple weeks is, um, what is it? Louisville, like Louisville Metro Police Department um, did a lot of really shady stuff where it's like, even, even if we're going to say this is legal, right? If you spend six months trying to cover your tracks and change things and buy off witnesses, that should be considered negligence, right? Yeah. And any other job, right? If I'm a doctor and I kill someone on my table, am I going to jail or am Absolutely. I just going to be like, well, <laughs> right. well I'm going to go on my paid vacation now. We'll, we'll lose all of this. Yeah, I'm sure there are some doctors that have enough money where they can somehow get away with that. But for the most part, if you're a nurse that gives someone the wrong meds, right, and they die, you're fucking going to jail. Yeah. I think right? that that's one of the craziest things that I've seen is that multiple cases of these officers that are killing people are either on a paid leave or they're just on a leave or they're just still working, which is insane to me. Yeah. Um, I just want to shoot that out. But it's, yeah. But before you get into that, can you give the viewers a quick overview on the Breonna Taylor situation? Okay. You don't so, have to go into it too much, but for a viewer that's not that has no idea what we're talking about or anything about the Brianna Taylor case, before you segue into the differences that you guys may have had about that, tell the viewers about that situation. LMPD uh, tried to served a. They said it was a a a knock warrant right at 12:45 p.m. on the day where it happens. Uh, they ended up battering down the door. The boyfriend of Brianna Taylor shot one of the police officers um because of because he shot them they're saying that that's why they were able to you know shoot they said it was like 20 shots 20 shots back into the apartment uh and in six out of those 20 shots um shot you know hit brianna taylor and she died um so Right, like if you just think of it that way, it seems like all right. I guess it was just like a like a a raid in a sense gone bad, but the subsequent effect after is what gets really murky. Um, so the uh, official report was blank, right? And also on that report, it said that there was it didn't mention that Brianna Taylor uh, had a bodily injury and had died. Um, second, uh, they didn't find anything in the apartment they were looking for the warrant for. So what were know, they looking for? They said they're looking for drugs and I guess money and they didn't find any. So that's weird. Um, this happened in March, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Uh, 
Third, um, the ex-boyfriend who they said this is the whole reason it happened, right? Uh, they, they had him in jail. They, they had him in custody already when this no-knock warrant happened and Breonna Taylor died. Um, so that was a miscommunication on their part because they already had who they were looking for, right? Uh, the, the thing that makes it even worse is when they had him in jail, they tried to offer him a plea deal, basically to say that Breonna Taylor was involved in his drug dealing to, uh, you know, implicate her. So they wouldn't have to serve any actual justice for what happened. Um, after that, <laughs> after that, uh, the grand jury basically let out a statement basically saying that uh, the option to indict the officers for murder wasn't even an option for them. Um, so I'm sure there's some things I left out, but overall, I, I don't think that, I don't think that even as like a, even if you're a conservative, that shouldn't make you feel good about how the police are doing their job. It shouldn't make anyone feel good about how the police are doing their job, right? Because like I said earlier, if I'm a doctor and I fuck up and my, and even if it was a complete accident and I fuck up and I kill someone, I'm probably going to jail, right? But this is what happened to the officers. Yeah. What, what actually happened to them? Okay, what, so what, they, what, what was it, what was it that, they, that they indicted them with? So they got a, they got a, a count, I guess it was called a wanton endangerment, and it was basically because the officers were shooting all over the place, and they ended up shooting into the other, you know, the walls, it was an apartment complex, they shot into the walls of other people's apartments. And now that I'm here, uh, it also needs to be stated that they said that they announced themselves, right? They said it was a knock warrant and they, they announced themselves, but they asked 12 different people, 12 different people in that apartment complex. Apartments are very close together, right? You live right on top of each other. They asked 12 different people. Only one said that he heard, heard them knock and announce themselves. And that was after the third time they showed up to ask him questions. That is called intimidation. Mm -hmm. I don't want the police showing up three times asking the same fucking question. I don't want you to ask me even one. Like, you ask me more than once, I'm going to be like, bro, I already fucking told you. Yeah, like, right. why are you asking again? Wasn't there a situation where there was, a, there was like a mailman or something that they had said something along the lines of like... I, I suppose they were saying that they had tracked... They, they were saying that there had been packages dropped off to this yeah. address, blah, blah, blah. But end of the day, you didn't find shit. Yeah. You didn't find what you were looking for. Right. It was non-existent. So, so, what was his name? Kenneth Walker, right? The boyfriend shot at police. He didn't get shot. Right. His girlfriend did. Who was completely innocent. And the thing that's killing me, the thing that's killing me is you are not allowed to have a past if you are black. If you are black, you are your worst possible action 24-7. Mm. Facts. If I were to die tomorrow, right, I don't know what they would say. They'd be like, uh, well, he had marijuana in his system. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it does something to him. So. Yeah, they, they, de they, definitely, they definitely tweak the headlines always when that happens. But let's, let's rewind for a second. What about the Breonna Taylor case did you and this cop that you met with disagree on? Uh, he basically disagreed on the fact that, you know, if you have a knock warrant then everything from that point on was justified. But that's where we, you know, that's where it's so murky for me and him because all this stuff just keeps changing, right? Like uh, LMPD keeps releasing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And it's like, was there a knock warrant? Was there a no knock warrant? 
but clearly, right, it must have been a no-knock warrant because they made Breonna Taylor's law, what, like three months ago, and that prohibited no-knock warrants, yeah. right? And then, you know, so they, they, they did the wanton endangerment thing, but days before that, they gave Breonna Taylor's family a $12 million wrongful death lawsuit. Right. So, but the, the case, like, you know, the actual, like, charges don't include the death of Breonna Taylor. Right. Um, and, you know, th this is the thing that, like, I want, like, people to understand is, like, yeah, I'm sure at some point in Breonna Taylor's life, she probably thought, that'll never happen to me, right? And I want everyone to know that, like, these type of things can happen when our police are not trained well mm. and they are negligent in their jobs. So you shouldn't think of it as, well, luckily it's not me, right? You should say, I can't believe that happened and I want to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I agree. Says a lot about your, says a lot about your character if you immediately find out that someone was extrajudicially murdered and you immediately are like, well, let me find out if they have a criminal past. Yeah. Because if they have a criminal past and they need to do time for it, they need to go to jail and do the time, not be killed on the streets. Yeah. That's one of the things that I saw with like the Jacob Blake situation. Right. Everybody was like, <laughs> well, they I were mean, tearing well, actually, him apart. <laughs> well, actually in 2011. Right. Like, yeah, well, shut the fuck like up. They, they were tearing his past apart. Like they were like, oh, why, why are you guys sticking up for this criminal? Blah, blah, blah. Like you said, going back, like it, it's, it's no, it's no, um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to say, Donald Trump is a criminal. That's facts. Donald Trump is a criminal, and people seem to stand up for him pretty fucking hard. Yeah, that that's we're 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 gonna touch base on that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, we're sorry, gonna touch base sorry. on that 100. <laughs> and they do go hard on him 100. Um, but that's one of the things that I feel like for me, um, I'm gonna talk directly to my to to my my the followers or friends or family or whoever you are from Wisconsin. There is definitely a group of people that will always find a reason to try to justify some shit when it comes down to the George Floyd situation, the Breonna Taylor situation, the Jacob Blake situation. Like that's the first. <laughs> the Wilson Sterling situation, yep. the Trayvon Martin situation, the Tamir Rice situation. Oh. All of them. <laughs> yeah. All of them. The Sandra Bland situation. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, I want to segue into, you know, we're talking about this. We talked about uh, wonton endangerment, which is just bullshit slap on the wrist. It sounds like like when you, like, <laughs> throw a wonton at somebody. You know what I mean? Like, you're at a Chinese restaurant. Like, that's how ridiculous it sounds. I, when I first <laughs> heard it, I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. But, <laughs> you, know I mean? um, you know, through all this stuff, I think that for me, um, you know, talking about all this is, like, it's, it's very therapeutic. It's very helpful. Um, what I think that a lot of people fail to, fail to understand is that for, specifically for black people right now, um, not to take away everything that's going on with like our Armenian brothers and sisters as well, and, and we could talk about that as well. I just want all you guys to know that we stand with you and everything that's going on, and if there's anything that we obviously can do to help out, we will 100% do that. Um, but for everything that's going on, you know, in this world with with black individuals it's been hard like i have been i have been i've had the craziest mood swings that i've had in a very long time um and uh i just kind of want to talk about it personally from a personal standpoint on why everything is so 
uh, aside from the obvious of me as a black person watching uh, my people, our people get disproportionately like murdered, lynched, shot, whatever for years, you know, um, that in itself is traumatizing, just scrolling and seeing that. Then on top of that, not having the support from certain friends, certain family members. That you thought you had. That I thought I had. Yeah. Um, have you, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to talk about it a little bit on my end, but have you dealt with any of that from friends or family or is there anything about those situations that you want to touch base on? Yeah, so I mean, I've for sure um, have lost, you know, and do I care about Instagram? No, but like I'm sure on my social media platforms, I've lost hundreds of followers since, since May. Yeah. Um, do I care? No, because it just shows me like what kind of people they were. And uh, yeah, I've had lots of, <laughs> I've had lots of very interesting conversations. I've had some that are great where I'm like, dude, like we have differing views, but you are still able to come to me as a human being and have a civil, you know, a civil discourse, right? Yeah. But I've also had the opposite. And I assume part of that is because, you know, I feel like in today's day and age, everyone kind of has to be hyper-political, mm -hmm. right? Where when I was in high school, like the war was going on, right? But it wasn't like I had to be, it wasn't, I wasn't seeing it 24 seven. I didn't know what the hell was happening with the president 24 seven. Yeah. But everything's so hyper-political now that everyone is involved mm -hmm. in a sense. And I feel like, and I've said this before, I feel like uh, there's a Dunning-Kruger effect that comes with politics, right? The fact that, <laughs> the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people are getting into politics right now yeah. and they don't know the history yeah. of it from this point on, they're getting this like super, you know, like this, this bottled view of what's going on and they don't, they can't, they can't contextualize properly, right? So there's a lot of people that are able to feed into misinformation, disinformation super easily because they don't understand the context of what they're reading, yeah. right? Like for example, if uh, someone were to be like, oh, well, you know, the Democratic Party was the party of, uh, of, of slave owners and you'd be like, well, clearly you don't know the history in the 1950s when the Southern strategy was introduced by the Republican Party, right? right? And if you had known that, you wouldn't have fixed your lips to say that. right? Or if you did, it's just because you're willfully ignorant or you're trying to gaslight somebody yeah right so um overall uh i'd say at first it definitely put me in like a a weird place because all these people that you converse with uh on a weekly basis monthly basis you end up seeing like that they just don't get it and they don't want to get it yeah right um and then but 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 the cool thing is <laughs> those people right are not I, I don't see them anymore, right? It's almost like I've taken that negativity mm. out of out of my life. And honestly, it's a blessing. Yeah, for sure. It is because those type of people, if you if you can call yourself, and I, this is kind of like a segue in a sense, but if you can call yourself a Christian, right? And say that I support Christian values and then see your president do things that Jesus would be appalled at, you need to take another look in the mirror because is that's not really what Christianity is about. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think that, you know, with everything that you're saying right now, it's a, it's, it is, there's so many topics that, that I could dabble into, but like for me, I know that the most disheartening thing, I wouldn't say the most, but one of the disheartening things for me was like family and friends like that. I've, I've definitely done the same as you cutting people off. Um, I've had, it's very refreshing. I'll say this. It is very, very refreshing to be able to have conversations. 
I don't, you know, if you support Donald Trump, whatever, I've had a lot of conversations with Trump supporters. Some have turned south and friendships have literally been ended because of them. Others have went well. And I can sit and have conversations with, with, with certain people where I'm like, I agree and I understand why you have that view. Um, and they understand why I have the view. And then afterwards, we're still cool. And then others are just blatantly ignorant. A lot of that may come because they just don't have the knowledge. I know that I dove into... I dove into a lot of history and facts before I went home to Wisconsin. I made an 11-page PDF printout of my speech um, just so I was going into it with knowledge. But um, I think that for me, one of the things that is really, really, like is really affecting me and one of the reasons why I had to take like a social media hiatus, I have literally had two of my uncles, like two of my aunts, and a lot of cousins that I've grown up with. Specifically, I've been at their house. We have eaten at the same table. We've celebrated Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever together. And they're just, just, they're just blatantly racist about things. And I'm just like, do you not understand that you have black nieces and nephews? Do you not understand that you have black and Mexican like cousins and, and this and that? And it's, it's so... It's just fucked up. I don't know how yeah. else to say it. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but <laughs> I've also had, <laughs> I've also had a, a, you know, a really close, you know, friend of mine say some blatantly ignorant, racist shit to me. Like, yeah. yo, don't forget about like, don't forget about like your, your white side. Don't like, you're over here talking about, um, you know, all this stuff about black people. Like, don't forget about that. And it's I'm interesting like, that he said that because... The funny thing about, like, American society is, like, you don't get to decide if you're white or black. Yeah. You're black. Yeah. Right? Because society has said, <laughs> you look like this. Yeah. You don't, you, if you were to go to the DMV and you get your little questionnaire and you type, you, you check the white box, they're going to be like, um, do you need help with your, with your thing, sir? Uh, you didn't mark it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> like, society has basically said, like, if you are this skin color, you yeah. are black. You don't get to claim to be Caucasian. So, sorry to interrupt. I just thought no, that was good. funny that he said that because it, it's it's very tone deaf for him to not even be able to put that piece together. Yeah, I mean, I think that we had a discussion about this. I think that as Stevie Dub from coming from Lancaster, Wisconsin, a lot of people just want me to shut up and rap. They don't want me to talk about these subjects. It's... I'm 29, bro. I started making music with Ross. I started making music in 2008. Ross and I started doing what we were doing in, in, in back home in Wisconsin, putting on shows in 2009. I'm 12 years removed from starting, or 12 years into being an artist, um, 11 years away, uh, uh, removed from moving away from Wisconsin. I have, I don't even need to like talk about my credentials, but I'm gonna do it for a second. I have served the communities undoubtedly like so much from putting on concerts to having other people from the community come out to perform Christmas um, drives. what's that christmas drives christmas drives i have donated money to um you know poverty-stricken communities and schools in inglewood but i'm talking about lancaster specifically i have spoken at my high school i've spoken at platteville high school anytime anybody reached out to me and wanted to be a part of a show they came out I have helped people, you know, build their brands and do all this. So it was definitely, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to hear somebody 
say things like that to me, especially a close friend of mine talking about not forgetting your white side or don't forget about your community because this is where you started when all that I've done literally in my life has served, is serve a white community. Like that's literally what I've done for the greater part of my 29 years of my life and I constantly go back home and I put on these shows and I constantly go back and put on these events and I'm still gonna do that. Um, which leads me to my next part. I even went as far as sending a, uh, an email to the principal at the elementary school, the middle school, the middle school and the high school have the same principal and the elementary school coincidentally um, is my old history, te- or no, my old math teacher is now, Mr. Sturmer is the Winskill principal and Mr. Uppenaw is the principal for my middle school and my high school. And I sent both of them. I'm going to look directly at the camera when I say this because I'm going to get hyped up. I sent both of them an email. Both of them an email about, you know, hey, I, be, let me rewind. I sent both of them an email for multiple reasons. One of the reasons was because when I was home in Wisconsin, I had a conversation with uh, another a student that still goes to Lancaster High School to this day. He's mixed, he's black and he's white. His dad's black, his mother's white. And he had a conversation with me talking to me about how his sophomore and freshman years were horrible because it was filled with racism. And that that shit stung when I heard that because I know what it's like. I dealt with it there as well. And just to think that it's going on like that though, 11 years after I graduated and these kids are still getting you know tormented because their skin is darker than other people's is crazy to me. I sent them an email, asked them basically, what are they going to do? What are you going to do to like further, um, you know, the conversation about race and racial inequalities and incorporate that in your school systems? Mr. Uppenau gave me a, you know, a relatively decent reply um, and, and saying that he's aware that there's racial issues there and that last year they reached out to a black professor from a college and he came out and he did some some courses with the kids. He didn't say that they're continuing to do that. He only did it when there was a problem. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. You're doing it when there's only an issue and not just keeping it going. Yeah. Mr. Sturmer on the other hand, on it. right, you're only putting a band-aid on it. Now, Mr. Sturmer, on the other hand, and if you're watching this, which you probably aren't, but I hope that one of your students shows this to you, what I feel like he said to me literally was like, oh, we just treat all of our kids equal and we think that all of our kids just treat each other the same as well too. That's the problem. You can't sit here and act like everybody is treated the same, that we all look the same, that we all grow up in the same communities because we don't. And I don't mean community as, oh, we're in the same community because we live in Lancaster. Nah, because there's even a little, there is a, uh, I lived in the public housing units in Lancaster and I was considered one of the broke kids in Lancaster. So then on afterwards, I told him the problem with what I had with what he had said, and then I asked him the question again, which then he didn't respond to me. He still has yet to respond to me. I sent Mr. Uppenaw another email too. Not only did I send these guys emails asking them what they're going to do, but I offered my own services. For those of you guys that don't know, I have worked in school systems for a while now um, as like a social and emotional learning coach, which is like a fancy name for basically a guidance counselor. Um, and for me, I just feel like with, with, with me asking these questions and these not giving, them not giving me like an, an answer back is just like, it's like a slap in the face. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not trying to, they're not trying to do anything. They don't take it seriously. They don't take it serious. Or maybe, you know, I got a lot of respect for you guys. I do. 
Um, but what I don't respect is the fact that you're not going to sit here and, and talk about this. You're not going to sit here and continue to create change. That is part of the reason why Lancaster, Wisconsin needs a Stevie Dub in their community. That is part of the reason why I went home and I put on the, sh the, the event that I did because nobody else is going to do it. You know, no offense to other people that are putting protests and this and that together or sparking uh, conversations, but I don't feel like anybody else is going to do it, you know, back home. Um, but yeah, I just want to touch base on that um, really quick. And um, is there any, before we go into, you know, our final piece, is there anything else that you feel like you want to, you want to touch base on right now that we haven't touched base on just yet? No, I can't think of anything right now. That's totally fine. Um, before we, before we, before we head out, um, the last thing I do want you to touch base on. It doesn't have to be long. Neither one of us can talk about this for a long time. It's very evident that um, you know, in 2016, um, a lot of people looked at the election as, oh, my vote doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't count. Nobody's paying attention to it, anyways. Uh, I voted. I definitely didn't vote for Trump, and I definitely won't be voting for Trump this year. Um, but I just remember how shocked I was. I had, I did not believe that Donald Trump was going to win. Uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to know that there are a lot more people out there that have voted thus far. The statistics in 2020 compared to 2016 show that there has been an exponential growth of voters thus far. Yeah. And I'm extremely happy and proud of that. Um, and let's not, let's not use this time period right now as a joking matter, as a my vote doesn't count type of conversation. Let's, let's normalize registering to vote and actually going out there and being informed in your communities of who is going to be running your community. And obviously, you know, because a lot of people look at the election as just like, oh, it's just like for the president. But it's like, no, there's, you're voting for other people in your community mm -hmm. that, are, that are helping shape your communities. Um, so just, you know, shoot it right there at the camera. You don't have to look at me because I want the voters to really feel it. What is your message um, to everybody this year? It is October 10th right now. So we are what? 20 some days, maybe yeah. less away from the election. Basically. What is your message for everybody that's watching about voting? Okay. I know the choices aren't the greatest. I mean, look, <laughs> yeah, Biden isn't like the best choice, right? Like there are other people we wanted more, but there's so much more than just that. We have the entire cabinet that has to get replaced. Uh, four more years of Betsy DeVoe for public school is going to be absolute garbage, right? We have Ben Carson who's using taxpayer money to buy random shit for his office over the Department of Housing. Um, there's just ineptitude across the board in this administration. So besides the fact, right, besides the fact we want Trump out, we also have to think that there's all these other positions that are going to get filled as well with people that are actually competent at their jobs. Um, so my message to all you guys is if you can vote, right, fucking do it because I guarantee you every racist, every bigot, every hateful person is going to the polls to vote for Trump, right? And if you want to see change, make it happen. There's a reason why 
There's a reason why they're doing everything in their power to suppress the vote. There's a reason why they're trying to tell you every single day that there's going to be a red landslide or whatever the hell that that's just like a bloody landslide. That sounds gross. Um, so end of the day, like if you guys really want to see change, just go out. Like I think in 2016, they said only 30% of people in our age group actually went out and voted, but y'all want to complain? Like that doesn't make sense. Like if you're tired of this shit, go to your local your local uh, election election hub and vote stand in the line drink a couple beers if you want like if you got a pregame before you go vote just fucking like i don't care do it like it's your it's your duty as an american absolutely thank you for sharing that um once again uh Check your, you know, check your voter registry. Go to vote.org uh, to check that. I literally just did that today. And just to confirm, I knew that I had, you know, registered, but I just wanted to confirm. I even shared it on Instagram and I, you know, posted it on there. Uh, <clears throat> um, excuse me. But yeah, like you said, I know, um, you know, like you said, Biden is not the greatest choice, but do we want four more years of Trump? Absolutely not. Um, and so if you can vote, you're not just voting, um, you're voting on behalf of a lot of people who can't, that Trump also hates and, and, and just blatantly is racist towards. This is now a time for young people such as myself, young people like the viewers at home, and just people all around the world in general to make a real change and stand for something. It's an old saying, and Marcus said it already, you, if you want change, you have to be the change. That goes for everything in this world, 100%. And so this year, of all years, if, if you didn't, if you, if you, if you're just a first-time voter or if you've never voted before, this is the one to do it. You have to do it. It's very important to do it. Um, let's create change together. If there's anything that we can do on on our behalf to like help you, if you're lost or whatever, um, we'll even help you do research on who you can vote for and why you should vote for them um, in your communities uh, from a, a what is it, a county, state, you know, whatever level. Um, you know, once again, we're just pushing the narrative forward. Go to vote.org, check your voter registry. It's very important. Uh, let's let's make real change so that our, our world and our communities and us as American citizens can just have a better overall living situation and real change gets created. Um, thank you guys for watching. Once again, Marcus, thank you for, yeah, you no know. Problem. And remember, uh, shit doesn't change unless you get up and wipe your ass. That's real. <laughs> you heard it first. Uh, once again, man, thank you for being here. I appreciate everything that you shared. Um, and for those of you guys that are watching at home, thank you guys for uh, watching. If you guys are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment and let me know your thoughts, whether you agreed with us, whether you disagreed with us. That's completely fine. We're open to all you know opinions and suggestions if you're watching on spotify be sure to follow my spotify page it's at stevie dub all across all social media platforms it's at stevie dub that's twitter that's facebook instagram snapchat and whichever other social media platform that i missed if you guys want to uh hear us discuss other topics um, we're gonna do it anyways but we would love to hear your guys's opinion on that um and once again just overall thank you guys for the overwhelming support Take care of yourselves. Uh, normalize having conversations like this. Do your best to, like I said, take care of yourself in a time of, of complete chaos, especially on social media. Double, triple, quadruple check all the sources from the information that you're, that you're soaking in. 
And uh, most of all, vote. Once again, it's Stevie Dub with my buddy Marcus that are here signing out. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Stevie Dub podcast, and we'll see you on episode three.